This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to Total Saints Podcast. Yes, for those who listened to last week's pod, I made it. The 880-mile round trip to St. Mary's and back via the M74, M6, M40, A34 and M3. That will mean uh, nothing to Matt Markstone, who's on the pod this week. Thankfully, it was worth every single mile. Saints won 2-1 versus Watford, and we'll be discussing some of the key moments from that game. It was a fantastically important win for Saints. We'll also look ahead to this week's double fixture for Ralph's side at home to Norwich and away to Newcastle. And finally, sandwich neatly in the middle, we'll briefly reflect on the announcement that Matt Crocker is to return to Saints around seven years after leaving for the FA as our new head of football operations. Lucy and Glenn are both here, Steve's still away, so uh, how are we both doing, uh, Lucy Glenn? Uh, obviously excited by three points, no doubt. Well, you know me, I'm, uh, I'm one for big excitement about Saints <laughs> at the moment. Hey, it doesn't matter if I'm excited or not, it was just a win was everything. didn't matter if it was close game, a horrible game. doesn't matter that we didn't play well for three quarters of it. The fact is we got over the line and that was uh, desperately required and uh, bring on Wednesday for more of the same, hopefully. Exactly. And Lucy, how are you doing? I'm feeling less excited and more relieved, I think. Yes. I think that's uh, and especially after that first hour of really awful football. Um, yeah, I think I think it's relief more than excitement. I'm still still yet not going to get carried away. And, and I think it's going to be the next three or four games that really decide whether we should be excited or not. No, brilliant. And uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, with Steve still away sunning himself, as I mentioned, that uh, Matt Markstone, who's the host and uh, owner of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, which you can find on Twitter at SFCDAL underscore Ivory, I-V-E-R-Y, is with us. Uh, Matt, a belated happy Thanksgiving to you and your uh, family. Um, nice to have you with us. How was your uh, Thanksgiving? Oh, Thanksgiving was fantastic. Uh, just you know, lots of family around, lots of different houses to go to. Always a little bit stressful, but 
uh, lots of good food and and I can't complain, especially after uh, you know Saints managed to to pull that off on Saturday to kind of round off the weekend. So as long as now everything between now and Christmas goes okay, well, we'll be good. Yeah, and uh, look, I apologize in advance to any religious people that are listening, but my understanding, Matt, is that Thanksgiving is more important in America than Christmas in terms of family and time together. Is that right, or have I totally made that up? That's definitely my experience with it and, and how I feel. Um, but I am also a, a Scrooge. Like people don't, my family is, is against me. So um, you, you, you're winning points with me, but uh, not, not anybody else because everybody else likes to get stuff and I, I refuse to buy it. So it, it doesn't work out well. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, it's uh, great to have you with us. And uh, obviously, thanks for joining. We look forward to having a chat. And uh, look, as always, we're uh, grateful to be able to do this. It's a quick uh, visit over to our Patreon corner. So uh, we have a new patron to shout out this week. Dave Ernsberger, thank you for signing up to patreon.com slash totalsaintspod and supporting TSP. Uh, it means a lot and uh, very much appreciated, Dave. Um, I also just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to Will Dorr. You may have seen uh, the last 24 hours or so. Will is, of course, owner of the Saints Archive. He's put himself forward for the uh, 2020 Saints Voice Panel. So you can find details on how to vote for Will via southamptonfc.com or on the uh, Saints Archive Twitter feed, which is uh, at Archive Saints. So go on there, vote for Will. Will, I did it earlier. I think he's in Group 3, so it'd be good to uh, see Will on the panel for next year. Right, let's get into uh, TSP93 in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and, of course, sponsored for 2019-20 by happyhottubs.co.uk. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Yes, it's worth the fanfare. Southampton Football Club have won a league game at St Mary's. Watford were brushed aside thanks to two quick goals towards the end of the game to seal the three points with a 2-1 win. Lucy, as we sort of mentioned in the intro, not necessarily pretty, but in the end, effective. I'm not sure it was even that effective, if I'm honest. Well, we won the game, if... so... Well, yeah, but I mean, if Watford could finish, they'd have been 3-0 up before we even started playing properly. We had the crossbar I mean... and had one cleared off the line. Yeah, but just feel they had millions of opportunities. Come on, be more positive. I'm not going to be more positive about <laughs> something we were incredibly lucky to do. I mean, yeah, no, it was good. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for three points, especially against a relegation rival. Yes. But I do feel like we probably only played decent football for 25 minutes and got the three points out of it, which, you know, by kind of like ratios, isn't great. No. Um but no good. Uh, Danny Ng scoring again, obviously very good. Um, yes. Is in a crazy run of form. Um, and I thought substitutions were particularly important in, in the game. And Ralph kind of reassured us a little bit, I think, after recent weeks that he does. He's kind of got a plan and he is what he's doing. And um, mm. and the kitchen table didn't stop Bufal from contributing. <laughs> I was I was delighted when I saw him on the bench. And we'll come on to have a chat to him in a minute. Um, Glenn, uh, uh, probably a bit of a cliche, but uh, a bit of a game of two halves, I thought, at the end for Saints. And as uh, I think has been well publicised, the uh, only the second time in 44 Premier League games that we've come from behind uh, when we've been losing at half time to actually win the game. The other one, as we'll all, re- all remember, was, of course, Tottenham when James Ward-Prowse banged in a free kick for the winner. I think the idea with the game of two halves is that 
the second half is different to the first half. Um, but, so the, the first half was crap, and the second half was half crap. Um, <laughs> once the substitutions have been made, I mean, he mentioned it there. Sophie and Buffal totally changed the game. Mm. In, in, you know, and uh, that was a very brave. Well, I say it was a brave substitution by Ralph. If you have a hierarchy of our wide players, Redmond is probably the number one in most people's eyes. So for, for him to get hauled off yep. um, and his replacement to change the game, I think that was quite a feather in Ralph's cap. Um, I was surprised when the sub, you know, when Redmond's number went up, but mm. as he was walking off the pitch, I thought, oh, yeah, he really hasn't done much, you know, in this game. And uh, Buffal changed the game, and everyone everyone else seemed, to, you know, Gineppo came to life at that point yep. as well, and um, the substitutions. You know, all of them. Shane Long, despite mm. missing a couple of sitters, he um, he made a difference. Yeah. Um, he offered considerably more than uh, than Obafemi did, and um, Jan Valerie came on and offered more than uh, more than Cedric did at both ends of the pitch. So uh, I think you can always look at substitutions in two ways. Has it changed the game? Is it an indication of he got things wrong to start with? Um, I don't know, but I don't really care. You know, we got we got over the line. Um, we got, we got the three points and uh, happy days. Exactly. And uh, look, Matt. I mean, we've we've spoken on the pod, and I know you listen to it, and other people will as well. In terms of the slow starts this season at St Mary's, particularly for Saints. I mean, they play so well away at Arsenal, and they've done so, you know, generally away from home anyway. But in all seven games at home, St Mary's this season, we've conceded the first goal, just like we did yesterday in true Saints style, a very soft one to give away. How frustrating and, and sort of why do you think it is that Saints can't seem to sort of come out and, and go at teams for 15, 20 minutes at the start of the game? I mean, do you think it's confidence, nerves, just the game plan? I almost feel like we started okay yesterday, other than Cedric passing it right back mm. into the middle of defense for uh, for them to have a, a chance inside the first minute. I felt like outside of that, for about 10 minutes, we were okay. And then it just looked like we ran out of ideas, and the first time we passed the ball backwards, kind of everybody just goes, you know, we're right back to normal, and nobody's everybody rightly so is, is frustrated by that. Um, and then from there, I don't I don't really know what happened. They just seem to just happy to play the ball around the halfway line and. The guys that are on the forward line, I think, uh, Glenn, you pointed this out several times yesterday on Twitter, that the guys ha- in the front have to make runs and mm-hmm. have to move and create options for uh, guys like James Ward-Prowse or Premier Emil uh, Hoiberg to actually make passes. And if they don't do that, then then we can't uh, – we have to go backwards. Otherwise, we just risk giving the ball away. And um, it, it was it was quite frustrating uh, sitting all the way over here in my nice warm house, never mind what it's like when you're in, inside the ground and having to suffer through the weather and everything else. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, having travelled down, it was nice to sort of be in some uh, subtropical uh, temperatures, to be honest, Matt, so it was still warmer for me. But, uh, Glenn, I mean, look, we've we've given Alex McCarthy a bit of stick, uh, in inverted commas, the last couple of weeks because of uh, the sort of flap at Man City, the flap at the end of the Arsenal game. A bit of a turning point, I thought, potentially, was that big save he made from Saar. We were already 1-0 down when uh, uh, the cross sort of came in, volley at the back post, and he uh, managed to sort of kick it away with his foot. But, again, you know, you go 2-0 down in that position, and it's potentially a real struggle for Saints to come back. So, to to give McCarthy some credit before we talk through the goals, a big save. Yeah, it was a massive save um, and it was a massive moment because the crowd were beginning to turn on everybody, which is a separate issue, which I could talk all day about. Yep. Um, but um, that save and keeping it at 1-0 at that point, that, that kind of kept a lid on that until half time, And then when we go in at half time, you're always hoping that a different team emerges in the second half. And um, thankfully it did just about. But that save was a huge save. And the fact that we managed to get to half time just the 1 0 down paved the way for what came afterwards. Yeah. And Lucy, I mean, 
Sufjan Bufel, we've obviously spoken about him earlier. I mean, I know you're a big fan of him. I absolutely love the guy. I think he's brilliant in terms of, you know, we know that he's got that sort of unpredictability uh, a little bit with him, but I was pleased to see him on the bench. And then obviously he came on and changed the game and just, you know, added a, it's, it's not just the technical ability, but the fact that he does run with the ball and take defenders on. And it's that that we were missing for that first hour of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the problem Nathan Redmond's having at the moment is that he's low on confidence, seems a bit short of ideas and and he's becoming quite predictable to play against. Um, Mm. He's kind of developed once again, which I think happens every time he kind of has a dip in form. He develops this common tactic of getting to the edge of the box, taking a couple of touches, cutting it and curling a shot, which invariably isn't on target. And I think it's getting to a point now where probably fullbacks know he's going to do that. Mm. And they're, they're probably quite happy for him to cut in because they're more, more, more often than not, not really working out. Um, And I think, Although, because Nathan Rebin was such a massive part of our season last season, um, I can see why people would be surprised at him leaving the pitch. But I think to bring someone like Buffal on, who is prepared to go both sides, you know, go wide and cross with his left foot or cut inside, and he's, he's prepared to dribble at people, I think it just gives us a little bit more of a kind of unpredictable edge and a mm. kind of game-changing instinct that we probably didn't, didn't have before that. Um, and I think he's slowly as he's kind of got clo- like more used to the Premier League I know he was on loan last season but over the years has developed a little bit more of a recognition of when he needs to move the ball on mm. I think people there was a frustration kind of early in his Saints career that he would dribble and dribble and dribble and dribble and basically till he got tackled yeah um whereas I think he's become much smarter at moving the ball on and no doubt something that kind of Ralph has asked of him um I think he had a massive impact and, and probably deserves to start the next game Matt, I find him a, a bit of a, an edge of the seat player. You know, we, we talk about um, when you watch football, the sort of players that get you on the edge of the seat and, you know, the likes of Latiz used to do that and people like Lalana used to do that. For me, Buffel's that sort of player. So, I mean, what do you think of Sofian Buffel, Matt? As Lucy mentioned there, he's grown up a lot over the past couple of seasons. And, and now we have other people in the team who will dribble and dribble and dribble until they get tackled. Um, and so he's learned kind of how to uh, give the ball uh, to teammates a little bit. And he's shown me, I didn't think he was really strong enough uh, to, to play in, in the league. It seems like he got brushed off the ball a lot early on in his career. But recently, he's he's shown that he will work back and track back and also will uh, is not afraid to attack players and try to set up chances for other people, which is really what we need. So um, we had a little bit of discussion on, on our show yeah. earlier, and I'm not sure I'm going to start, and I'm not sure if I wanted to start, but... His performances, he's definitely having an impact when he comes into games, and I think we uh, are going to need that going forward because we, without him in there yesterday, we just didn't really create uh, very many chances. And um, you look at him, and you look at uh, what he did to that poor defender, and you you say like that's that's what we need him there for, you know? Yeah, I think the guy's still running around in circles trying to find him now, isn't he? But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no, I mean the first goal, Glenn came from uh, Sofian uh, crossing it with his left foot to the back post. Um, Gineppo, um sort of some excellent skill, got to the uh, touchline, pulled it back for uh, Ings to fire in. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of chat since uh, the game, and I imagine on television uh, around the the questionable handball against um, Gineppo. But of course, as we all know, nearly two years ago, Decore shoveled one in for an equaliser in the 90th minute. So so it's nice to uh, stick one back on them. But uh, look, we spoke about Danny Ings last week. And as Lucy mentioned earlier, Glenn, um, seven Premier League goals for him now. And finally, one that means he's on the winning side. <laughs> yeah, we've been saying for a few weeks now how well Danny Ings has been playing. Um, mm. And this all kicked off with the Portsmouth game. Yep. Didn't it? Yeah. Um, that was when he got his two goals there. And that seemed to give him the confidence to, to kick on. Um, I'm surprised 
I think because of the situation of the game, that was the reason he played 90 minutes. I don't think the plan would have been for him to play 90, bearing in mind we've got another game on Wednesday. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we'll have to have to wait and see and see what happens with regards to that game. But yeah. um, we can't do without him at the moment. Him and Ward-Prowse are the only two that are hitting the net with any regularity. Yeah. Um, we desperately need to keep him fit and he, he needs to keep firing because uh, if he doesn't, Shay Adams has got to show something that he hasn't shown shown us yet or we've got to rely on Shane Long scoring with his knee or something. <laughs> um, and Lucy, last week we spoke about James set-piece specialist Ward-Prowse, of course. Um, only Matt Letizia, seven, has scored more direct free kicks for Southampton in the Premier League now than James Ward-Prowse with five. When he got that opportunity yesterday, I was sat in the stand, I think I said to Freddie on the ugly inside last night, I was just saying, just hit the target. You never know what's going to happen, whether Foster will fumble it out or hit the post and roll out to someone or go in or whatever. But, I mean, again, a fantastic moment just when we needed it. Absolutely. I, I think there, you can raise questions about other aspects of James Ward-Prowse's game, hmm. but I don't think you can really question is free kick taking is set piece taking it is just phenomenal really um and he's so consistent as well like even when he's not scoring goals they're either testing the keeper or kind of just coming off the edge of the wall or as yesterday was the case almost knocking someone out which i felt quite bad about (laughs) um but no he's just he is just incredible at set piece um i think there are rightly questions about what his role is more widely you Mm. know what is the best position to get the best out of him um but when you've got someone with that weapon it's very difficult to leave them out when you're struggling to score goals which which we are Mm. so um yeah no again another phenomenal free kick i can't really say anything else (laughs) yeah what what got what got me about that free kick is because of you know where it was being taken from everyone in the ground knew what corner he was going to go for so the goalkeeper ben foster must have known he was going to go for that corner and I must admit, from the angle that I was sat at, I thought he saved that. Mm. He's, he's pushed it wide. And I was amazed that it found its way into the net, bearing in mind that Foster must have known it was going there. And then you watch it a few more times on the telly. It's very difficult to blame the goalkeeper for it mm. because yeah. of the way... It, it whips kind of, away from him, yeah, doesn't it? It yeah. whips away from him and sort of seems to speed up as it flies into the corner. It's It's... It's an amazing technique to, to hit the ball like that. But I think the trouble is, of course, if you go too soon and then Ward-Prowse sticks it Foster's side, he's going to look even more of a you-know-what, isn't he? Yeah, and but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where I just saw it and I thought, surely he should have saved that. Yeah. Um, but but no, the same as um, was it Hugo Lloris last season, didn't get yeah. anywhere near it. Yeah. As long as he can keep keep on sticking it in the, in that top corner, I don't think many goalkeepers are going to keep it out. <laughs> no. And just before I get Matt to sort of summarise in, Glenn, um, I just want to have a quick chat to you, um, it was my first experience this season of the St Mary's atmosphere in inverted commas, which I, I found it all a bit odd. You know, even at the end there wasn't much celebration. I, I think, as Lucy used the word relief earlier, maybe we were all just relieved. But uh, although my voice would indicate that I celebrated it, but uh, um, it was a bit of a nervy ending. Of course, that Andre Gray chance that just went past the post. The weird thing I found, Glenn, was you know five minutes before the end of the game, there was literally particularly in the uh, itch and stand that I was in, people streaming out of the ground. And I don't know if they were like diehard Saints fans or not. And again, as we said before, everyone is entitled to leave when they want. But when you're five minutes away from a game, you've not won at home since April. I just assumed everyone would sort of stay there till the end and actually celebrate and enjoy it. And I just found the whole atmosphere a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, you, you assume wrongly. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's um, it's a modern football fan thing. Um, I don't get it. It's the desire to beat the traffic is bigger than the desire to wait to the end and, and see if your team wins or not. I don't get it. I, you know, I've got no problem people leaving when we're 5-0 down against Leicester at half-time, but I, I do have a problem with people leaving 
um, the 83 minute brigade, mm. which is um, when you know when the game is close, it, it's ridiculous. But I mean, yesterday there was there was another problem. I mean, when when we were one 0 down, and as Matt alluded to earlier on, the centre backs had the ball; they had no one to pass to. Yeah, you know, Hoiberg and Ward-Prowse didn't want the ball. Ings and Oberfemi were both facing directly back towards our goal, totally marked, not on the half turn, not looking to make a run or anything. Stevens has got the ball, so so what does he do? It, it goes across the back line, it goes back to McCarthy. If it goes into midfield and there's no one running, mm. then they have to pass it back to the defenders, and, and people start booing, and it just just shows a ridiculous lack of football knowledge or intelligence to start booing your own team when there's absolutely no one to pass to. I mean, mm. you know, it's called pass and move for a reason. If you could, if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't got the movement, you, you can't pass the damn ball. Yeah. I mean, in, in people's defence. If you're a home season ticket holder, yep. like I am, and you don't go to away games, you've had basically three years of rubbish. You know, I'm sure there's some there's some people who miss the odd game who probably can't remember the last goal they saw, let alone the last win they saw. So I, I do understand people's frustrations, but you know the, you've got to think about the greater good here. What what good does Boo in your team do mm, mm. At, at any point? I mean, slag them off on Twitter afterwards, like I do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. As long as you don't, uh, as long as you don't copy the players in, but um, <laughs> you know, it's just the negative atmosphere doesn't yeah. help. And I think people have got to got to wake up and think, you know, maybe that is a factor to why mm. we can't start games quickly. Yeah. Maybe the players are going out there thinking, right, I'm terrified of taking a chance here or make any sort of um, make any sort of risky pass in the first couple of minutes because we're we're just going to get hammered for it. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and I think obviously Ralph has started to, uh, you know, it was a big result for him, wasn't it? But he's kind of protected the fans a little bit in the last 24 hours by saying, you know, the players need to inspire the fans and that sort of thing. But look, I mean, I know lots of us will think it's kind of papering over the cracks a little bit, Matt, that a better team than Watford would have potentially been 2 or 3 no up before we got back into the game. But when you think West Ham picked up points this weekend, Newcastle picked up points, uh, Villa picked up points, Norwich picked up points, you know, it was an important three points for Saints, however they came. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just important for us to stay kind of in the race to get out of the bottom three. You know, if we if we drop points or get beat, then it, all of a sudden things look a lot worse for for wear. And and then, as you said, there were a lot of holes in in the game yesterday. There were a lot of things we need to do better. There were um, we're going to have to do better with finishing our chances. We're going to have to do better at not conceding from just ridiculous situations. There's no reason that a, a throw in halfway into the Watford half mm. should result in, in a, a goal scored against us immediately. And yeah. um, we have to, we have to cut those things out. But um, at the same time though, it, the three points are absolutely necessary and we have to kind of count our blessings and move forward and hopefully um, carry something into the game on Wednesday. But that's what this team lacks. The, the ability to do sometimes is to, to carry things forward and really, uh, build on on the successes of of previous, and uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that we're going to do that, but I don't know I don't know that we will. At the end of last week, Matt Crocker was confirmed as Saints' new Director of Football Operations with effect from, quote, early 2020. Crocker will rejoin from the Football Association, having left St Mary's in 2013 to join Football HQ. Lucy, general thoughts on the appointment? Um, It's an interesting one. Mm. Um, I think in many ways it makes sense from the perspective that we've perhaps realised that you, you can't build an entire squad based on your activity in the transfer window 
and particularly not when clearly your recruitment is not working. Um, and I think getting someone in who has previous knowledge of the club and the and the youth system and has gone away and has developed a reputation um, at a national level for, for doing that kind of thing clearly, you know, signifies that we're looking more to kind of our wider setup and bringing through talent and that kind of thing. And yeah. I think um, in many ways it's a good fit and probably something that Ralph would have been encouraged by because he too has kind of looked to bed in young players as a way of kind of strengthening the squad. Um, so I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of a strange one in the sense that he hasn't had previous experience in, in a job of that kind. Yeah. Um, so I suppose there is a risk from, from that element. And I think my main concern really isn't about him specifically, but the fact that it's taken over a year to replace Les Reed, if we're to understand that his role going forward, a similar kind of role to Les Reed had. I think, you know, as much as he he may be a good fit, um, I'm kind of sceptical that it, it was only him that could have done the job. Mm. And I think when you're in a position of flux, as Saints are, where there is a lot to straighten out and get right, um, particularly when you're worrying about um, relegation, I think taking a year over this kind of appointment just doesn't make any sense. Um, and, it, and it probably left us in, in a poor position um, over the last year not having someone of that type. I think for for a long time, people have been concerned that we don't really have enough kind of football minds around the football club, yeah. um, especially when Ralph has had these rough patches and, and difficult moments. If, you know, that he's getting the right support from people around the club, are there the football minds that can give him advice, can kind of give him thoughts and support him? So um, from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, but mm. I guess I'm pleased that... It's been resolved and resolved with someone who should should offer quite a lot in terms of the kind of philosophy going forward and re-establishing that element of our philosophy, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree completely. And uh, carrying on from that, Glenn, bearing in mind your tweet from a few weeks ago that obviously made you pretty famous, I think. The uh, Am I correct in saying that we currently have, uh, I, I saw it in your uh, blog this week, am I correct in saying that uh, we currently have no director of football, no head of recruitment, no assistant manager, no first team coaches, just assistant coaches, and no under-23s manager and a temporary under-18s manager? That was your tweet. Um, I guess it kind of feels now like Saints are starting to, let's sort of say, plug the structure gaps that they've got within the club yeah um now i mean some of what i said in that tweet um I mean, apparently it's just sort of semantics so the, the assistant first team coaches are in fact the first team coaches so why yeah. saints have to be slightly different and call them something different um i don't really know so it's it's not as bad as i was kind of questioning mm. um in in that particular tweet the only thing that confuses me slightly about this is um you know, we, we were led to believe a year or so ago that we were moving away from the, the Les Reed type figure yeah. and the recruitment figure. And they were going to combine the roles or do something slightly different. Um, and we, we appear to and then nothing happens for six months, a year or whatever. And then we, we appear to have gone back on that. But mm. at the end of the day, that side of the club and who does exactly what is always shrouded in mystery a little bit. Yeah. So I don't really know. I, I have nothing negative at all to say about you know, Matt Crockery seems on the face of it to be very highly regarded and a, and a decent fit for the um, the role that we're led to believe that he's um, he's going to have. But in in the short term, it's the it's the recruitment that's more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cro- Crocker's brief is going to play out over a number of years. 
I assume Crocker's reign at the FA has um, coincided with the, the age group teams suddenly doing well in their tournaments and mm. whatnot. So uh, hopefully he can have that impact with us in the long term. Yeah. And Matt, I have to be honest, I don't actually myself remember much about Matt Crocker from his time with Saints before, but uh, kind of as Lucy said, I think in, in terms of footballing mind, that's my immediate thought as well, is it's, it now means that, that that gap between Simmons and Ralph, there's someone now that's going to come in with a footballing mind that can kind of understand the philosophy and the strategy that the club want to achieve, but more importantly, can work with the first team manager to understand what sort of pathway he wants. Yeah, and I think that's it's critical. I mean, we've seen Saints as a whole kind of look almost rudderless. We're buying kind of these weird players that don't necessarily fit a system. And I'm not talking about necessarily uh, Janaipo or Adams. I'm thinking more, uh, you look at the plethora of defenders we've picked up over the past couple of seasons and where they've they've wound up. And you, you hope that Crocker will be able to come in and over the course of a couple of years be able to um, bring guys in from the 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 age groups underneath and just get everybody kind of on the same page so that when they get there they're not changing systems and formations and things like that they're playing the same type of football they're they're used to doing those types of things that I I, I hope and assume that that that'll be what we're what we're trying to accomplish mm. um, but uh, you guys are totally right that it, it won't help in the immediate term this is this is going to be kind of a long term uh, project but overall the long term health of the club is what you want um, you just have to find a way to to get it done now as well so that we you know for for my selfish perspective, stay in the Premier League so I can actually see the games. Otherwise, um, you know, I'm gonna have to buy a new laptop because I'll be burning through them faster than uh, I would I would I would like to. Well, uh, you know, we wish him well and obviously uh, welcome him back to uh, Southampton Football Club. This coming week is a double game week for Saints with Norwich at St Mary's before the long trip up to Newcastle. Glenn, Norwich, despite their position one below us, I think quite a really tough looking fixture for Saints. Norwich is a tough game. Um, I don't think it's as tough as the Newcastle one uh, for obvious reasons. They're, they're, they look a decent side at the moment. Norwich, I, I think, you know, we've got to approach it as a game that, you know, we really have to try and win. Mm. It, it will make a huge difference to the season if we can get back-to-back wins. Um, Imagine that. Statistically, they're worse than us, so we have to treat this as a glorious chance to get another three points. And mm. we, we really have to go for it. I don't I don't see anything they've got to particularly worry us. As long as we defend relatively properly, we should have enough to beat them. Yeah. And, I mean, their last two games, I know they've been on a bit of a poor run before that, but they won away at Everton, uh, and then they drew with Arsenal today. We were recording on uh, Sunday, so they've scored two goals in both those games. Um, they've got some hard-working players. I think defensively, maybe there'll be opportunities there for Saints, but we all know about Timu Puki up front, seven goals this season, alongside uh, Danny Ings and the uh, list of uh, goal scorers. So someone that we're going to have to be on our guard uh, against at the back. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. I think they have had incredibly bad luck mm. when it comes to injuries in defensive areas. Um, and they also haven't had much of a budget. I don't think they've, they've spent hardly anything. Yeah. Even by our standards, they've spent hardly anything. Um, so I think that's left them very kind of weak at the back. And that's obviously encouraging for Saints. But as you said, they haven't scored loads of goals. They've scored 15, I think, um, which is the same as us. But I think they do have... A decent goal threat and they are quite forward thinking I, th- I don't think they're you know we have a lot of newly promoted teams that 
come to games like ours and, and, and try and be gritty and awkward and and kind of hit you on the break. They're they're a lot more expansive than that, and I think Fark has got them playing in a much more positive way, which plays for and against them, I think, in the sense that it often leaves them kind of stretched defensively. Um, mm. So I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for Saints, but it'll be a case of not looking quite so bad at the back as we did um, against Watford, or I think, as you said, um, Pookie will be quite happy to... Um, dust off some goals so um yeah i think it'll be quite an interesting quite exciting game um it's just going to be a case of saints keeping a grip of it i think and and kind of maintaining control um and knowing how to kind of manage the game because um i don't think we'll have too many problems getting through them if we if we can keep control i totally agree and uh matt from your point of view do you know much about norwich as a town or city it probably is apologies to everyone in norwich I mean, I know Redmond used to be there, and I mm. also know that Angus Gunn used to be there. Um, and I watched uh, bits of their match today against Arsenal, and they looked, you know, they looked exciting to to watch. And I also know that I've had several of their players on my fantasy Premier League team, and they were playing poorly, so I've removed them, and now they seem to be playing well again. So I will put them back in uh, before this next game week, so we can actually, you know, take something from it. But as Lucy said, I don't think they're they're necessarily going to come and just try to, to, to scratch out a draw against us. I think they're going to come and expect to be able to play with us. Um, you know, their defensive record is as poor as it is, is not quite as bad as ours. Um, so they're going to come and think they can score goals against us just as easily. And, uh, I think it should be a, a good game. I'm just hoping that, you know, the, the fact that we've been in the Premier League, we, we should have, you know, come up against, uh, teams like this before that we should be able to do this. But, um, I definitely think there will be goals in the game. I don't think it'll be a nil nil or anything like that. I think, uh, I think it'll have a couple goals in it, but hopefully we can we can pull it out because this is another one of those ones where we need to separate ourselves from from them and hopefully uh, Real and Everton who have uh, you know mm. were uh, I, I don't know I don't even know how to describe that goal they gave up the in the dying moments of that game, but there are pictures of Marco Silva wanting to cry all over social media, so you can you can <laughs> yeah. check that out. Do, do, do you know uh, I, I was crying a little bit for him actually. I mean obviously it was a good from a Saints point of view, but yeah, that just when there, there was that shot of him sort of, I mean his eyes looked quite watery, didn't they? And I sort of I, a little bit of me felt for him there actually, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, um, I, do you know what I did? I thought because you were coming on the show, I, I don't actually know much about Norwich, so I thought I'd do a quick bit of fact finding because I thought it'd be interesting for all of us to learn something about Norwich. I think the one thing we all know is that there's a mustard museum there because of course that's where Coleman's originates from. Glenn, I'm sure you have plenty of uh, English mustard on your dinner every uh, evening, don't you? On your gammon and things like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've lost interest at this point. Brilliant, all right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Coleman's mustard. I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about football, not museums in Norwich. Well, Come Norwich on. has the uh, largest walled centre and longest run of medieval defences in England, Glenn. Well, yeah, that's that's nice for them. I'm sure that'll be um, a, a great comfort. More, of more interest. Does the manager get sacked if they don't beat us? Well, there's, yeah. I mean, I saw Lucy was talking about that, weren't you? Yeah. 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 I'm just saying, you know, it's clearly the barometer now. If you don't get a win against Southampton, you're clearly that bad that you get sacked. The only thing was, I mean, Emery, to be fair, lost to Frankfurt after. Yeah, I, was... I did. I was a bit. I did. Um, I was in, a the bit pre- in the Premier League, you should have. Put, yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah, it was the same game. In the same week, which mm. is totally true. So. There we go. Anyway, one more uh, stat. Uh, after 1565, many weavers came to Norwich fleeing religious persecution in what is now Holland and Belgium. They brought their canaries with them, seeing the native people of Norwich adopted rearing canaries as a hobby. By the 18th century, Norwich was famous for its canaries, and today, Norwich football team is nicknamed the Canaries. So we've all learned something tonight. Predictions. Right. Before we get going, Lucy Heinert, you forced me into a 2-1 Southampton versus Watford I win. did. 
I am Thank responsible you for your points. Well, you should. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Three points. So thank you very much for making me do that. Um, therefore, I'm going to let you go first tonight to help celebrate that moment. Can I go last? Because help me celebrate. Because right, I get the advantage of seeing what other people said. All right. Well, let's let our guests go first then. Matt, what do you reckon for the uh, Norwich versus Saints game? Um, well, I always go 2-1 Saints no matter who we play, unless it's like City or Liverpool. So 2-1 yeah. Saints. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Glenn, what about you? Adam Leach says, uh, <laughs> yeah, 2-1 win. 2-1 win. Good, all right. Yeah. Guess, guess what Steve's gone for. 2-1 win. He has. Lucy, you? 2-1 win. Yeah, there's a lot of 2-1 wins here. Because we all did go for Saints to beat Watford, so both you and Glenn got a point. Uh, and me and Steve both got three because we both went for 2-1. So it was good news all around this week. I think that's I the mean, first really, time it's ever happened. I mean, it was me that went for 2-1, if we're honest, because you were going to go for 1-1. But anyway, well, carry on. Uh, right, <laughs> I'm going to go for 2 all against Norwich uh, because I think defensively we'll be all over the place, but I do think we've got opportunities at the other end. So, uh, right, that's the predictions for Norwich. Um, let's briefly focus on Newcastle and Glenn. Um, not our happiest hunting ground over the last few years. No, it's a long way away, isn't it? Well, not for me, but it's for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we've never we've never done particularly well up there. Um, I have actually seen us win there in about 1995, I think it was. Was that when Latis scored? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was that very game. I but, remember um, going. To, I remember driving all the way up from Southampton in the game that we lost four 0 Scott Marshall scored an own goal. Jason Dodd got sent off, and then we drove all the way back to Southampton. So that's the one that sticks in my mind. But as you were. Yeah, they are surprisingly bearing in mind where they were at the start of the season. Uh, looking like a very good team mm. um, and you know I've seen them a few times on the telly and the thought of the, their forward line with Sam Maximan running it hopefully not Cedric hopefully <laughs> he's not not playing that that would that just fills me with horror um, also they have the, the physical threat up front um, with Joe Linton or um, Andy Carroll when he comes on um, our defenders are not going to handle that at all no. uh, and it, this game does worry me um, and we'll, You'll get my prediction in a minute, but I, I think it's it would be a major. Then. It would be a major <laughs> achievement to get anything out of that yeah. game. I, th- I think that's going to be a really tough one. I must be honest. I was quite pleased when Kike Flores uh, made his last sub yesterday, and Troy Deeney was still sat on the bench. So that was yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, that was a bizarre sub. It was, really it was. Bizarre. But uh, there we go. That's probably why he's one of the reasons he's lost his job. Um, Lucy, of course, <laughs> everyone knows that this uh, fixture in your household is uh, a very important one because, of course, uh, for those that don't know, Lucy's husband is a Newcastle fan. Um, so from that point of view, Lucy, getting your view on that. But also, as Glenn mentioned, they got a bit of fight about them. They've just come off the back of a two-all draw in Man City. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to realise what I've signed myself up for. So I'm going with Tom and my brother and my dad, but Tom is sitting in the home end, but where we can see him. Okay. Um, and the, we didn't manage to do this last season, but we did it the season before, where you'll remember that we lost 3-0. We did. I could just see him dancing around and it was torturous, but only he, it was so bad that he felt guilty, so he couldn't even really celebrate when we got back to the car because we all looked so sad. Um, anyway, so I'm hoping it's not what one of those again, um, but it is quite a big game, yeah, from a personal perspective. It's a confusing one because it's mutual respect mixed with hatred. Um, and so from that perspective, really hoping that we get something out of it, but from a kind of realist angle, Given what Glenn has said about their front line, uh, and mm. Almiron even got an assist. I mean, he, he, yes. he got an assist. Whoa. Yeah, I'm not feeling particularly positive about it. And they're normally quite well defensively organised as well. So, um, mm. yeah, realising what we're doing now, but it's too late. 
you never know. Um, I mean, let's take the positives, Matt. Saints have played pretty well on the road so far this season. They've picked up some decent points. So, again, you know, hopefully the same sort of approach where I imagine we'll try and counter-attack and try and take the game to Newcastle as and where there's any gaps. Of course, we're all nervous about what will happen at the other end, but mm-hmm. let's focus on Saints again. Um, there will be opportunities for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that Newcastle are, are vulnerable and, and their fans do expect uh, them to play a certain style of football. They won't be happy with them kind of, you know, not winning, but that also makes it a fairly intimidating place to play. If Newcastle do gain any momentum, uh, the crowd will be kind of behind them. And uh, although they're not behind the owner, which uh, is familiar to Saints fans and, and <laughs> the fans of most other Premier League uh, clubs, it feels yeah. like. But um, they they managed to somehow get a draw against City. And I have no idea how, looking at the stats of the game and even watching portions of that game, there was they had no business uh, mm. doing that. And I just hope that we don't go there and suffer similar circumstances, especially because we've struggled there in the past. And to go there and and maybe put in a really good performance and not be able to, to get it over the line will really be disappointing. But I do somehow think that if we get a win uh, midweek, then going back-to-back wins and then having Newcastle away, if we took a point from that, I think everybody would be okay with that. I think I think everybody needs the the points right now uh, in midweek because I think we're all expecting that. But um, I think it'll be two totally different games. So I think Newcastle will be um, more defensively solid. I think than uh, than Norwich will. And then uh, like like you guys said, the the going forward, uh, Almiron's got a lot of pace. Um, I know there are some American fans of of, of this podcast and of Saints mm-hmm. that will be happy that uh, he's he's. Yeah, starting to turn things around maybe um i yeah. wish she would just hold off a couple more weeks and then we'll be fine but uh there we go no no i think you're right and for me i was thinking that you know if we could win three of these five games starting with the, the Watford game you know that would put us in a good position and i was saying to my mate on the way back up it's a bit of an odd one because you if you'd beaten arsenal and then drawn against watford everyone would have been frustrated but actually the way it worked out in the end to sort of draw against arsenal and beat watford we're all sort of red well we're not re- happy really are we but relatively content but uh um obviously we want to hear your prediction then before we do that i'm going to go first this time just because I can make sure I can get my negative prediction in there before you do yours so um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 loss at Newcastle because we just don't do very well up there um, Glenn what about you something Matt said was quite interesting there the result of the Norwich game mm. I think will dictate how the Newcastle game goes if we beat Norwich then it's it's not a free hit but there's a lot less pressure attached to it yep, yep. Um, so following that through and I've predicted us to beat Norwich going up to Newcastle I think if we can control the midfield area, we mm-hmm. like we did against Arsenal, then we can maybe get something out of it. So I'll go for a 1-1 draw. A 1-1 draw. Good. All right. Um, that's what Steve's gone for as well. So he's gone for a 1-1 draw, um, ever the optimist as well. Matt, what about you? Uh, well, I said I always go 2-1 Saints, uh, unless it's City or, or Liverpool. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe it, but that's what I'm going with because I, yeah. I have a hard time predicting us to lose. So Good. I like um, that. See, I could learn a lot from that, couldn't I? But, uh, Lisa, Lisa, I feel like we should ask what your prediction is and also what Tom thinks, um, just so that he can have his quick two minutes of fame as well. So what's, I imagine Tom's obviously going for a Newcastle win. I have no idea, actually. I was hoping about it. Would you like him on air? Yeah, let's do it. Hello? Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. We were just talking about the Newcastle game and we thought it would be good to get your prediction because I know you're going up. And, uh, of course, we all know that you're a uh, lifelong Newcastle fan. Absolutely, yeah. So what uh, do you reckon? Sins. Um, well, I was talking to Lucy about this earlier and I'm quite worried that Saints might have hit a bit of vein of form kind of running into this. What, winning um, one game? Yeah, that's, well, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's, it's been a while coming. But, you know, he's true with Arsenal as well. Yeah. 
Um, Norwich midweek for you. We've got Sheffield United. I'm, I'm, I'm going for a hopeful 2-2 draw. It's oh, going to be a good one. Oh, bonanza, 2-2. Yeah, that'll make the trip worthwhile. So uh, excellent. All right. Thanks good. a lot. Yeah, nice to talk to you. All right. Safe travels. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Good Cheers, day, Tom. Cheers. See you later. Bye. He's not sure about it now. He's looking a little bit nervous. Oh, <laughs> anyway. All right. So good. What do you reckon then, Lucy? Um, I'm going to go with Tom. I'm going a two-all draw. So we're all expecting goals. I'm really hoping to draw because otherwise it's just quite awkward. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, apologies for the voice. Uh, I've had a bit of a cold and I will admit that some of it was celebrating the Saints win as well. So apologies. Um, but uh, it's been a strange and enjoyable change to have a St Mary's win to talk about. Uh, as I mentioned uh, to the ugly inside, 100% home win rate since Adam Leach left the Daily Echo. We'll be back again <laughs> next week to reflect on Norwich and Newcastle. Thanks to Lucy, Glenn and of course Matt. Don't forget you can still get our TSP 100 live tickets via eventbrite.co.uk. But for now, I uh, tweeted earlier that I felt we needed something positive and upbeat to celebrate the uh, end of the podcast uh, after our D-ream and tub thumping the last few weeks so as voted for by several people including uh, at Bar Balex the ugly inside and Kieran something more upbeat to end this week's podcast take it away Sir Elton keep marching in are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.